the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Come with me to the book of Titus chapter 2. We've been looking at a series of teaching that we are broadly captioned, Dear Titus. Now, Titus chapter 2, let's read it together. He said, but you must teach what agrees with sound. Teach what agrees with what? Now look at this. Instruct the older men to be sensible and self-controlled. To be sound in their faith, love, and endurance. In the same way, women to behave as women should. They must not be slanderous or slaves to wine. They must teach. Okay? To be self-controlled and pure and to be good housewives who submit themselves to their so that no one will speak evil of the message that comes from okay in the same way in all things an example of good behavior be sincere and serious in your teaching use sound words that cannot be criticized so that your enemies may be put to shame by not having anything bad to say about us. Slaves make themselves to their masters and please them in all things. They must not talk back to them or steal from them. Instead, they must show that they are always good and faithful so as to bring credit to the teaching about God our Savior in all they do. For God has revealed grace. That grace instructs us to give up ungodly, worldly persons and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this world. As we wait for the blessed day we hope for, when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will appear. He gave himself for us, to rescue us from all wickedness and to make us a pure people who belong to him alone and are eager to do good. Teach these things and use your full authority as you encourage and rebuke your hearers. Let none of them look down on you. Amen. 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 Okay, so he starts chapter 2 by saying that you must teach what agrees with sound of 2 verse 1. You must Teach what agrees with sound doctrine. Instruct. Verse 2. Instruct. Somebody say instruct. instruct. Okay. Now when you come to verse 3, it says, In the same way, instruct 
the older women. Okay. And when you go to verse 6, he says, in the same way, add or instruct the same thing. It's very, very important there. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, so we are on Remain a True Son and Raise True Sons, part 7a. Somebody say, Remain a Son and Raise True Sons. Say, Remain a True Son and Raise True Sons. Okay, so Titus chapter 1 and verse number 4, Titus 1, 4, he said to Titus, a true son in our common faith. This is Apostle Paul's letter to his son, Titus, and he calls him a true son in our common faith. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace and mercy and peace from God, our Father, and Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Paul describes Timothy and Titus as what? He describes them as what? True sons. Paul says they are true sons. And for Titus in particular, he put him in a city and he tells him, as you are in this city, you are a true son. That's why I've left you in a complicated, complex, and a very, very immoral city like Crete. But I trust you because you're a true son. And while you are in the city, don't be corrupted by the negative influences in the city. Remain true to the faith. Remain true to the assignment I've given you. And not only just that, go ahead and raise true sons. The same instruction Paul gave to Titus is the same instruction Jesus gave us. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. God has called us to be disciples. He's called us to be disciples and we are to make disciples also. He did not call you to just be a disciple. You are called to be a disciple and to disciple others. Every Christian has that responsibility. Jesus gave that instruction to all his disciples. Go into all the world and make sure that you are raising disciples. That is what Paul told Titus, that you are a disciple. Raise faithful disciples after your kind. And it's my prayer that in your lifetime, you raise faithful disciples after your kind. You raise faithful disciples after your kind. You must understand that on the judgment day, we are not going to be displaying our cars. We are not going to display our houses. We are not going to display our children. We are not going to display our academic degrees, great as they are. But the thing we are going to be displaying on the judgment day are the souls we brought into the kingdom. Somebody is not saying an amen. amen. That's what you are going to display on that day. Paul said that, who are you? You are my glory and my rejoicing on the day of the Lord. There is something that on the day will bring you joy and will be a source of glory to you on the day when we shall appear before God and we are judged by our works. It shall be how you were able to influence a lot of people unto Christ. How you use your influence, how you use your intelligence, how you use your beauty, how you use your resources, finances, intellectual, whatever resource God gave you, you use it to advance the cause of Christ on the earth. You use it to establish souls in the kingdom. That's what you are going to be accounting for. Somebody say an amen. amen. God is not going to hold you to account to your sin. Your sin is already judged in Christ. But God is going to hold you responsible for how the gifts, the abilities, the opportunities he gave you, you use them. And I pray that on that day, your judgment shall be good and faithful servant. Amen. I said your judgment shall be good and faithful servant. Amen. 
may we all come to the end of our lives looking towards the glorious day, looking to the end of a day and looking forward and saying like Paul, he said, now the time of my departure is at hand. My life is poured out like a drink offering and I'm ready to meet my maker. He said, I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Now there's laid out for me a crown of righteousness. On that day, may there be something laid out for you. Many people are laying great things for themselves on the earth. Unfortunately, very few are conscious of laying things up there. But you see, no matter what we lay down here, we can't take it with us. Praise the Lord. There's nothing you can attain here that you can take on the other side with you. The only thing we do for Christ, that's the only thing that will last. That's why we need to be intentional about how we live our lives here on the earth. So Paul is describing true sons. And that admonition helps us to appreciate that there are four sons. Somebody say four sons. If there is a true son, there must be a four son. And we want to be true sons, so we don't want to worry ourselves with the characteristics of four sons. Though they are there in the Bible, we want to focus on true sons. How many of you want the characteristics of true sons? Yeah. I always like to teach God's word from the positive. Yeah. Rather than tell you about how Satan is planning to kill you, I want to teach you that God has made you a God unto the enemy. The Bible says, Little children, you have of God and have overcome the world, for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Can somebody say an amen? amen? He doesn't deny the fact that there's somebody in the world, but he tells you, be conscious of the greater one who lives in the inside of you. Because that one is greater than he that is out there. I see you winning on every side. Okay, so remain a true son. Remain a true son. And we've been looking at attributes of a true son. Who is a true son? We've looked at a number of them. And last week we touched on the 12 attributes of a true son all the way to 15. We said that among many things, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 23, a true son is a partner. Somebody say a true son is a partner. And we said a partner is a sharer, a stakeholder, and a partaker. Ask your neighbor, are you a partaker? A true son is a sharer, he's a partaker. He partakes, he participates. He's fully involved with everything that we do. If you're a true son in this house, you'll be involved with everything that we do. We are fasting next week, you'll be involved. We are doing an all-night next week, you'll be involved. We say we are doing Gethsemane, you'll be involved. Everything we are doing, we are giving, you'll be involved. We are building, you'll be involved. A true son is a partaker. He doesn't pick and choose. A true son does not choose which meetings he will attend. He attends every meeting because he trusts the leadership he's under. Am I communicating somebody here? A true son is a partaker. Number 13, we said a true son resembles his father. Somebody say a true son resembles his father. Jesus expressed a shock and dismay at Philip who said, so as the father. Jesus had been with them three and a half years and Philip shocked him when he said, so as the father. Jesus told him, Philip, I'm surprised you are asking me to show you the father. After having been with you for three and a half years, you can't see that if you see me, you've seen the father. Why? I and the father are one. He looked like God in every way. So Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. A true son resembles his father because he carries his father's DNA and then he intentionally follows after his father. He learns from his father. Somebody say an amen. amen. And that brought us to number 14 where we said a true son learns from his father. 
Somebody say a true son. Learns from his father. Yeah, we can see that. We can see this from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 14. And I think I will pick verse 14 in the New International Version. But as for you, continue to hold the things you have, you have, of which you are convinced. Why are you convinced? Because you know from whom you learn them. He said you are convinced of what you have learned because you know the one who taught you. He is not living different from what he has taught you. There are people you can learn some things from, but you can be convinced about because you don't know whether they even believe in what they are saying or not, whether they practice it or not. You don't know. But you can be sure that this one is a practitioner. You know whom. Listen, it is great deception to think that you can be learning from people who are far away, but people who God has appointed over you and they are close to you, you are not consciously learning from. Many people destroy their destinies under great anointings because they fail to learn when they must learn. They can see things they won't learn. They see good things they won't learn. Praise the Lord. He said, you know whom you have learned it from. So when you are learning from somebody, it's always important that you know the person. Acquaintance is close. That's why Elijah could impart Elijah. He walked with him. He poured water on his hand. He saw him. He saw Elijah pray. He saw Elijah do all kinds of things. And so you could easily multiply what he did because he had learned from him by close association. I believe we can all learn from far. But listen, your number one teacher are the people who God has set over you and are close to you. Somebody say an amen. amen. That's why I said last week that if you are here and you are not intentionally learning from me, you are not a true son. Ask your neighbor, are you intentionally learning? Intentionally learning? Yeah, that's what shows that you are a true son. Number 15, we said a true son yields and submits his will to his father. Somebody say a true son, son. yields and submit his will to the will of his father. Now, I, I like this because, you see, he's not coerced. He's not forced to do something. A true son is not forced. They don't force him to do something. But he chooses to yield his will to the will of his father. Jesus could have decided that he won't go to the cross. But he said, not my will, but I will be done. He chose his father's will. At a point where choosing his own will would have brought him liberty and would have spared him of the pain and the agony, he chose his father's will. That's a true son. A true son may not always agree with his father, but he chooses his father's will above his will. That's a mark of a true son. Praise the Lord. That's a mark of a true son. I said last week, I don't know whether the quote is there, the class of wills is one of the most important tests of a true sonship in ministry. The class of wills. Somebody say the class of wills. Say the class of wills. Yeah. If your will has never clashed with that of your father, wait. When that time comes and you pass it, then you are a true son. Because that time will come. That time will come. The clash of wills. Where you want to go this way, your father says, let's go this way. And you have to abdicate your way and choose your father's way. And that's what shows that you are a true son. We are continuing. This is part seven. And part seven, we are looking at one point, and we'll look at it maybe in two parts. Because if you read the letters of Paul to Titus and to Timothy, first and second Timothy, you will see that all the things we are talking about, this particular point forms a major component of those letters. Now, look at Titus chapter one, verse five with me. I left you on the island of where? I left you on the island of what? So you could... 
there and appoint in each town as I as I okay come to Titus 1 5 the TPT the passion translation he says the reason I stationed you in Crete was so that you could what set things in order and complete what was left unfinished and to raise and appoint church elders in every city just as I had uh, just as I had Okay, the good news version. 5 and 6. I left you in Crete so you could put in order the things that needed doing and appointed elders in every town. Remember my. Remember my. Okay, so this is Paul to Titus. Now let's look at Paul to Timothy. Paul to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 8. 1 Timothy 1 8. New Living Translation. Let's read it together One go. Timothy, my son. Here are my instructions for you, based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May the Lord help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Okay, First Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 to 15, NIV. Good. Although I hope to come to, I am writing, I am writing you these, uh-huh. In which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. First Timothy 5, 7. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. One go. Give these instructions to the church so that no one will be open to 521. 521. The New International Version. Good. I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these without and to do nothing out of okay now if you look closely you will see that one word is running through what is the word what is the word instructions 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 the letters to timothy and titus were written to give them practical instructions on how to do church somebody say how to do church say how to do church Ecclesiastes says that the labor of the foolish worried every one of them because he doesn't know how. Every time you are doing something and you don't know how to do it, you have a lot of problems. You will sweat, you will be complaining, you will be bitter, you will be all kinds of things because you don't know how. And there is always a how to do something. There's a how to be a doctor. There's a how to be a business person. There's a how to be a nurse. There's a how to be a lawyer. There's a how to be... That's what people go to school for. Six years, five years to become something because there's always a how to be. And there's a how to do church. Church is not my idea. It's not your idea. It's none of us idea. It's God's idea. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. And the scriptures give us a guideline, practical guidelines on how to do church. And Paul wrote to Titus and to Timothy and essentially those letters have to do with church work, how to do church. How people in the church are supposed to behave. How leaders in the church are supposed to behave. How Paul had to deal with people who come up with false doctrine. It's full of instructions. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The CV version, First Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 to 15. CV, I hope to visit you soon, but I'm writing these instructions. He's telling you the reason. So that if I'm delayed, you will know, however, 
how everyone who belongs to God's family ought to behave. After all, the church of the living God is a strong foundation of the truth. So Paul says, because you lack instruction, people do anything anyhow. Somebody comes to church and he chooses to sit where he wants to sit, not where ushers will usher him to sit. Somebody comes to church and they say we should stand and he's seated because he lacks instruction. He's not been properly instructed. Paul said because of these people are doing things anyhow. Widows come and they just misbehave. They come under the pretext of something and then they are doing something different. People live in sin and they are not confronted and they just live anyhow. Paul said no, I have to write a set of instructions for you. Listen, instructions are great. Somebody say instructions are great. Now listen, there is no better product you buy that has not come with a manual of instructions. Every good product comes with instructions. This iPad came with an instruction. The moment you open the box, there's an instruction on it. And it guides you on how to use the iPad, how to turn it on, how to turn it off, how to get the best out of it. That's what instructions, in fact, they call it, sometimes it's attached to a warranty. And the warranty on the product is always tied to how you handle the instructions. If you go and use a product not minding the instructions, you come back and you say, ah, ah, but I thought I had a warranty on it. They say, well, you were supposed to use the product in so, so, and so ways. And as long as you didn't follow the instructions, the warranty is cancelled. Am I communicating here? Uh-huh. And that is how a lot of us live our lives. There's a warranty on our lives. The Holy Ghost is God's warranty on our lives. Somebody say the Holy Ghost. It's God's warranty on my life. Yeah, the Bible says we are seed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Ghost. So, Paul gives instructions. Now, you can't read the letter and not see that it's instruction upon instructions. We'll just read a few of such instructions and then I will zero in on my subject for today, which has to do with a true son listens or receives instructions and follows them. A true son listens or receives his father's instructions and follows them. A true son. Somebody say a true son. Say a true son. Listens to his father's instructions, receives his father's instructions, and follows them. Ask your neighbor, are you a true son? Do you listen to your father's instruction? And do you follow it? Those two. Now, let me tell you something today. You see, of all the things we are talking about, <laughs> this is paramount. This particular one is paramount. Because Solomon said is paramount. Give me new living translation. Proverbs chapter 1, before we come to look at the instructions Paul gave. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 8. Kali Groshaba. Proverbs 1 8 and Proverbs 4 1. Proverbs 1 8, he says, listen, one go, do what? Listen, my son, to your father's and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Okay, now go to Proverbs 4 1. One go, listen, my sons, to your father's instruction, pay attention and gain, gain, listen to your father's instruction. Now, I wrote here, I said, your attitude too instructions is one of the greatest signs of your submission as a son to your father's authority. Your attitude, somebody say my attitude to instruction is one of the greatest signs of my submission 
as a son to my father's authority. Your attitude to instructions. Your attitude to instructions. That's what shows you are a son. You can bow, you can kneel, you can collect Bible, you can collect iPad, you can do anything if you don't follow instructions of your father. That's where the real test is. All the things we have talked about, Titus and Timothy, the core was what they were going to do with the instructions he gave them. And he gave them too many instructions. Gave them a number of them from chapter 1 all the way. Gave them instructions upon instructions. You see, Titus and Timothy, it was not a letter Paul wrote and was waiting for a reply from them. He gave them instructions and he was waiting for them to carry it out. It's not like he wanted their opinion on the matter. This is, you must seek the opinion of widows about this thing, I'm telling you. You must seek the opinion about elders. When you are appointing people in the church, seek their opinion about it. No. Have your own mind about it. No. He told him expressly what he wants him to do. And that's what they were supposed to do. Instructions. Somebody say instructions. Now let's look at Titus chapter 2 and verse 1 to 10. Let's see the instructions here. See if you please. One go. He said, Titus, you must teach only what is. So he tells him, that's an instruction. Teach what is correct. Don't be teaching nyamanyama things. Whatever you want, you teach it. Teach what is correct. And then he begins to tell him clearly what he's supposed to teach. Tell. Look. Tell the older men to have what? So he's literally telling and dictating the message he's supposed to preach to him. Tell him, this is what you should preach. Tell them. Tell the older men to have self-control and to be serious and sensible. Their faith and love and patience must never... Look at verse 3. He said, tell the older women to behave as those who love the Lord should. They must not gossip about others or be slaves of wine. They must teach what is... They must teach what is... Four. Four. So that the younger women will be loving wives and go ahead, five. Sensible and kind as well as a good homemaker who puts a own husband own husband good. Then he says, then no one can say insulting things about God. Tell the young men to have self-control in always set a good example for be sincere and serious when you use clean language that no one can do this and your enemies will be too ashamed to say anything tell slaves to please their owners by obeying them in every slaves must not or steal they must be uh huh What does it look like for you? Instructions. Somebody's instructions. instructions. I'm telling you, all the chapters, six chapters in first and four chapters in the second Timothy, all of them have to do instructions upon instructions, instructions upon instructions. Let me tell you something. Listen, if you will learn to listen to the instructions of your father, you'll be more blessed than the prayers of your father. Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I tell you, the more instructions you flaunt, the more instructions you disobey, the less prayer will work for you. The less prayer will work for you. The more instructions you disobey, the less prayer will work for you. No matter how much you are praying for. If you don't follow instructions, I'm telling you, frustrate your destiny. This is what the book is about. Instructions upon instructions. Timothy is long. 
As for Titus chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. But Timothy, let's look at Timothy, a few of such instructions. Uh, yeah, yeah, look at this. Okay, 1 Timothy 3, verse 1 to 7. It is what? It is true that anyone who desires to be a church wants to be something. Turn to your neighbor and say, pursue something worthwhile. Yeah, people want to be everything else except workers in the church. He said it's, it's a worthwhile thing to be a church official. To be a leader in church is something of to be coveted. Now verse 2, he says, that's why officials must have a good reputation and be faithful in. They must be self-controlled, sensible, well-behaved, friendly to strangers, and able. They must not be heavy drinkers or Instead, they must be kind and, and not love. Church officials must be in control of their own and they must see that their children are obedient and always. Five, if they don't know how to control their own families, how can they? Six, they must not be new. If they are, they might become proud and be doomed Finally, they must be by people who are not followers. Then they won't be trapped and disgraced by the devil. These are instructions. So Paul, when you are looking for leaders in the church, Timothy, when you are looking for leaders in the church, don't use your own imagination. Don't look at the ones who come and give you a lot of money. If they bring you a lot of money and these things are not in them, set them aside. That's what he's talking about there. He said there must not be people who are just naturally intelligent. They are scholars. They are high in their professions. Some of them are great people in earthly standards or worldly standards. But these criteria are not there. The man has a lot of money. He's a CEO of a company. He manages a great firm. But he has three girlfriends and two wives. Paul said, don't accept to make such a person an elder in the church, a leader in the church. He gave him what he needed to know. Praise the Lord. That's what I'm telling you that this book is about how church is done. You see? So, if you want to be a church, a New Testament church, you don't do things with your own imagination. You don't do things the way you want to do it. That's why some time ago, when we were appointing pastor, we displayed them here for about three months or so. And we put their pictures there. If you have anything, give us that feedback. Because that's what the Bible says. He said people who are not followers, they should end their respect. In other words, if I walk to Pastor Pei's facility where he works and I disguise myself as somebody who is not his pastor and they don't know me, Facebook pictures not helping, and I want to know more about him, they should not tell me as this guy, Ope, uh, he's quiet, but he doesn't know how to talk to people. He's very, very that. He's very, very that. The Bible says, place like that, the report about him must be good. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. Those who don't follow the Lord, those who are not part of our church, they should have great respect for this man and see that this man is a noble man. This man is a man who fears God. This is a man who loves God. Am I communicating here? That's what the Bible is saying. And we'll come to look at it in detail. So instructions upon instructions. Instructions upon instructions. Because see, you are coming to represent Christ and you should not bring a reproach to Christ. You should not let the message be questioned. Last week I was telling you when an incident happened and somebody was acting funny and it came out that the person was part of the church and somebody was surprised that upon all the things he has been hearing from our ministry on radio and it's helping him, somebody who says he's a member is living contrary. If the person is a member, it doesn't matter. But if he's a leader and a worker, 
We need to take notes. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Now look at chapter 5, verse 1 to 3. Kalisha Doveleze. Instructions. Somebody say instructions. instructions. Ask your neighbor, how well do you take instructions? Yeah, instructions. Instructions. He said, don't correct an older man. Can you see that? That's an instruction. Don't correct an older man. Encourage him as you would your own father. So correct the older man, but do so in a respectful manner. That's what he's saying. Encourage him. I can't talk to Edatoto like I'll talk to Ben or one of those people. No, he's an older man. I'm anointed. I'm the leader of the church, but he's an older man. Am I communicating here? That's what the Bible says. So you can't say, <laughs> sometimes when you hear some, some funny things pastors say and do, <laughs> as if they are an authority unto themselves. But everybody's authority is limited. Nobody has absolute authority. Now, he says, treat older women as you would your own, your own, your own mother. So if you don't respect your mother, you can't respect older women in the church. Now, go on. Show the same respect to younger women that you would to your sister. Then he says, take care of anyone who is really a widow. Instructions. <laughs> who is really what? A widow. Now let's go to chapter 5, verse 19 to 21. This is church. Somebody say, this is church. Praise the Lord. So he said, don't listen to any charge against what? A church leader unless at least two or three people bring the same charges. So Timothy is saying that Paul is telling Timothy, when somebody who is outside the church or in the church comes to tell you, that, oh, I met Minister Humphrey in one corner with some girl. And so you have to watch that minister. Something is wrong with him. Paul said, before Timothy, you confront the gentleman. Make sure that it is coming from multiple sources. Because there's somebody called the accuser of the brethren. And sometimes he does not come himself. He does it through people. So if that accusation comes... And you take immediate action. You will end up disqualifying somebody I, Jehovah God, has justified. I'm not communicating here. That's what the Bible says. And in my work as a pastor, I've had people come to me with matters like that. Some time ago, somebody came to me, tell me something about one of my pastors. Other times, one deacon, they came with all matter. I said, okay, lady, ask the lady one, two, three questions. And later on, I made them do some investigation for me. It came out that she was fraudulent. Praise the Lord. She was using one corner to corner a brother who is coming up in the faith. Praise the Lord. Destroy his destiny. So you see that this is church work. Sometimes when something, and I went to tell pastor so so and so and pastor has taken no action. You are ignorant. It doesn't work like that. The fact that you came to tell me does not mean that I should immediately act. I'm not a baby. Spiritual maturity and ministry ethics demands that I hear it from multiple sources. And the people I'm hearing from must not be your friends. They must be people from another source. Because if it's your friends, the tendency is that you've corrupted them just to make sure that you have your way with this person. I'm not communicating here. That's what the Bible says. So when one person says, this person doesn't talk well. Another person says, this person doesn't talk well. Another person says this at different times. Then I need to call Sister A. I say, Sister Agosia, please mind the way you talk. Because it looks like it's coming out that as a leader, you don't know how to talk to people. And watch it, because it's not good. Am I communicating here? That's what the Bible says. So, all of us in leadership position, that is how you function in the church. You don't pick an accusation and run with it. That's not how church is. Are you here? Don't listen. He said, unless at least two or three people bring the same charges. 
Not different. Same charges. This guy, Charlie, that your leader, he the quaff. He the quaff. Or both is astrobody. It's good. Thank you for the feedback. But I need to hear it again. From another source. And it should not be that he lied. It should be that he quaffs the same thing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, he said, but if any of the leaders should keep on sinning, they must be corrected in front of the whole group as a warning to everyone else. All right? Everyone else. So, when something happens in the church and you are expecting that we will come and tell everybody, somebody has misbehaved, we should come and tell everybody. No, it doesn't work like that. It has to happen on uh, multiple times. At a certain level, maybe the pastor alone should know. At some level, a team of pastors and elders may know. The Bible says when it continues, and it's continued to the point that now it is becoming a disgrace to the church, then we need to address it publicly. I'm not communicating here. What is not public, you see, God is a good God. His business is not to uh, disgrace somebody. That's why when somebody comes and gives you a revelation that this person is doing something, it's, you see, God will not come and reveal my sin to you. I'm not communicating here. Will not reveal my sin to you for the sin. The Holy Spirit doesn't reveal sin. No, no, no. That's not his. That's not his job. He convicts sin. He doesn't reveal sin. He reveals Christ. He reveals righteousness. Am I communicating somebody at all? That's what the Holy Spirit is. That's what the Holy Spirit is. Every time you dream and somebody is doing something, pressing some girl's breast, what kind of spirit is giving those kind of foolish revelations? It cannot be the Holy Spirit. So he said, when the person, he's been warned, he said, he has to be brought to the whole group. That's why the gentleman who was living in, in fornication with his fathers, having his fathers while committing incest in the church of Corinth, he said, you have to make sure that you send him out of the church because what he's doing, everybody is known. And even unbelievers don't do that, so don't entertain it. Are you here with me? First Timothy chapter 6, we are dealing with what? Instructions. Somebody say Instructions. I'm just giving you a few examples. We'll come to it fully. Maybe in 2026 or 2027. Yeah, because now, now yeah, but you, you should know that if we will start with verse 1 and we have not gone anywhere in uh, more than two months, you should not think that we can walk through a book like that. A book is not something you finish easily. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <Hallelujah>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we are still there. We are not going anywhere. It's exciting to read the Bible. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. Now look at this. Look at this. He said, verse 17, Warn the rich people of this world not to be proud or trust in wealth that is easily lost. When somebody has money in the church, Paul said, warn them, tell them not to warn them not to be proud or arrogant. Don't make them feel pompous in the church. Then a rich person comes, they give him a chair in front. No, 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 no. Here leaders sit in front in our church. You can come with a, a what, whatever car. If you are not a leader, we'll find you a seat somewhere. Decency, sit there. I'm not communicating here. The church is not uh, meant for worldly celebrities. It's meant for kingdom advances. I'm not communicating here. Those are the people that are honored in the church. That's what the Bible says. Wonder it. Tell them to have faith in God. They have money, but they need faith in God. 
He said, who is rich and blesses us with everything we need to enjoy. Can somebody say an amen? amen. Yeah, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Then he says, verse 18, he says, instruct them. Do what? Instruct them to do as many good deeds as they can and to help everyone. Remind the rich to be generous and share what they have. When pastor is teaching and say, ah, pastor is always talking about giving. What should I talk about? The little money in your hands, it hurts you to hear about giving. You don't know that the money in your hands was meant to be shared. Rich people don't like churches where they talk about money. Yeah, because they think that when you talk about money, you are after their money. No. Anytime your man of God is talking about money, he's not after your money, he's after your heart. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Am I communicating here? Yeah. So when you feel agitated, you feel uncomfortable, every time money is mentioned in the church, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's where the problem is. That's where the problem really is. And you should be thanking God. You must hear a lot about generosity, giving, and sacrifice to the point that when you hear it now, it's a great delight. I'm not communicating here. It's a great delight. When you hear there's an opportunity, it's a great delight. You're excited when a man of God comes and he says, I'm receiving an offering. You're excited. You come for service and we don't talk about offering. You feel grieved. I'm not communicating here. May this church come to that place. And may you in your spiritual life come to that place. You see, that is how a true Christian is. Because we have not been taught the New Testament like we ought to be taught. We live anyhow and we call ourselves Christians. But this is how Christians live. He said, instruct them to do as many good deeds as they can and to help everyone. Remind the rich to be generous and share what they have. Verse 19. Verse 19. Look at this. Verse 19. This will lay a solid oh, kadada boko, this will lay a solid foundation for the future so they will know what true life is really ah, yeah, yeah. How many of you want to know how, what true life is really like? Woo! You will know it by living a generous life. When you see how your generosity is changing lives somebody in the church born again couldn't pay school bills and then by your help the person is a graduate and is serving God you know what true life is like am I communicating here you will know you will know listen there is no better use for money than to use it to transform lives there's no better use for money you can buy a car with it, build a house with it the greatest use of money is to use it to transform lives that's the greatest use it's not meant to be hoarded it's not meant to be a bo- no 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 so this is how a true son is. A true son is open to instructions. Somebody say open to instructions. Can I tell you something? One of the greatest attitudes you can develop is to have an attitude where your father can easily instruct you. And I'll be sharing with you next week more about that. Where you can easily be instructed. You see, some people, it's not easy to instruct them. So there are some, when you're talking to them, you suggest it. But really, oh, I'm telling you, you suggest. But the others, I can instruct you, go to this place. Other people, I said, maybe it may be a good idea to consider this one. Yeah, consider this one. Consider this one. Consider this one. You see, there is counsel and there's advice. When you give counsel, you just pass on information. When you advise, you help people to decide to do a particular thing. And when you help somebody to make that decision, you have a shared responsibility in helping the person along. There are people I told them, marry this one. But other people I said, maybe this girl you can consider her. I'm telling you. And those who I suggested that and they did, some of them are doing great. Praise the Lord. Doing great. Doing great. 
There are people they were considering marriage. I said, be careful with this one. They just ignored it. And today, they are there. I'm not communicating here. Now listen. You see, your father is given to be a blessing to you. That's why if you don't honor your father, it can never go well with you. It's Bible. That's God's word. And particularly when they are raising you in the law. Honor your father and in the law. For this is right. When they are instructing you in the way of the Lord. Make yourself, make it easy to be instructed. It's not easy to give instructions though. Because when you are giving instructions, you are wondering what people will be thinking. They think that you are too bossy. You think that you want to take advantage. No. So all kinds of things enter your head. But as a leader, you have to make it anyway. And because you are a father and you want the best for your children, you have to instruct them. So sometimes instructing them is painful, but you have to do so. And when they follow, the blessings follow. I'm not complicating here. Now I'm telling you, listen, my instructions to you is more important. Ask Pastor James. I've given him some instructions. Giving him instructions. And I'm telling you, he will be the first person to tell you that he has never regretted any of those instructions. Praise the Lord. Please take your seat. If he has experienced some heat along the line, it's because something I told him he was not willing to do it. I'm not communicating here. Instructions. Make it, make it. I mean, make yourself instructable or instructable. There's no word like that. Don't look for it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Understand that great sons are raised through instructions. Somebody say great sons are raised through instructions. Say great sons are raised through instructions. Apostle Paul raised Timothy to become a bishop in Ephesus from a little young boy. He raised Titus, young man, to become a bishop in Crete. And he did that by instructing them. He instructed them and they followed the instruction. That's why wise people never joke with instruction. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1. A wise son. Somebody say a wise son. He's what? Oh, a wise son do what? A wise son does what? Heeds his father's instruction. But a mocker does not respond to rebukes. <laughs> rebuke is harder. But when you are a mocker, even the rebuke you not. Instructions seem to be straightforward. But a wise son heeds. I pray that in this house, you'll be a wise son. Amen. I pray that in your life, you'll be a wise son. May you appreciate the wisdom of God at every phase of your life. Stand on your feet and begin to speak to God tonight. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. You are blessed.
Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasa Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. No, no.